Father, we love you so much this morning. And we're so thankful, God, that you made the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. God, where you wiped all our sin and shame away. And I pray that every person in here would grasp hold of that, Lord. That their sin and shame has been paid for on the cross. That you made that sacrifice once and for all. God, we love you. We thank you for your presence. And we pray that you would just speak to us this morning as we hear your word. God, we love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Steve Seabury, would you come please, sir? I uh, want Steve to come. Steve is helping us with all our mission work, coordinating all of it. And we have uh, a group in Cambodia right now, and they've just finished a, a long, full day. And we've got a group going to Portugal tomorrow. And I'd like for those guys to come forward, and we'd like to pray over them. So all the guys going to Portugal, if you don't mind coming so we can pray for you. Steve, would you pray for those guys and share whatever you want to share? Come on, Portugal, one and all. <laughs> we have 23 guys going, so... Be praying for all those guys. Good looking group, isn't it? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can uh, have these special moments to be reminded of what it's all about to be your children, to be on mission for you. Uh, every day of our lives, but for those very special occasions when we go way beyond ourselves. Uh, for some, this is a return to familiar territory. For those who are in Cambodia today, uh, many of them have been there before, but there are also some who are stepping onto that land for the very first time and uh, seeing you at work. And the same is for uh, these gentlemen that are up here today with Portugal. Uh, what an amazing um, experience this has been over these years for uh, us to take something so simple to us as the American game of football, and yet to see you take that and mold it and shape it into an outreach tool. And uh, I'm reminded of those pictures we've seen in past years of baptisms in the ocean. Uh, our prayer today, Lord, is as we heard some of us today in our Bible study classes, that we be salt and light uh, in reality uh, as we pray for those who are already on the field, those who are going tomorrow, the Peru folks in a few weeks. Uh, help us to uh, be that light of Jesus in these people's eyes and let them see that there's a flavor and, and a beauty that um, they want for themselves. And so it's a great privilege to pray on behalf of our church for these on the field, these going. Um, we look forward to a great day of celebration when they all return. And we pray all this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 Thank you all. So pray for the Cambodian team. I, I probably won't get them all from my memory, but it's Kami and Kyle Wai. It's Jerry Walmack, Corinne Brashears, Jesse uh, Kubosh, and uh, Maddie Stockin, Elizabeth Stevens. And I knew I wouldn't get them all. There's somebody else. Sean and Joy Powell. Should have thought of them first, didn't I? but pray for our team in Cambodia. I'm sure that their body aches today from all they've done today. All right, Romans chapter 12. Hope you've grown a lot in love this week. Hope the dosage has been increased. You remember we've been talking about increasing the dosage from the story of E. Stanley Jones, evangelist of many, many years ago. And he preached to, to a bunch of preachers and a preacher walked up to him and says, my goodness, 
uh, Dr. Jones, I've got so many troubles in my church, and I've got a, got a particular individual, this man, that is just causing so much trouble in our church family. It is so difficult. Love is barely seen. And what should I do? And, and E. Stanley Jones said, increase the dosage. I love that. I understand that. Increase the dosage. If one bear aspirin works, two does better, right? <laughs> if one allergy pill works, two or three does better. I know all the medical people now are just, they're dying inside. But that's kind of my thought. If one works, two's better. So increase the dosage. So we're attempting to increase the dosage. It's really wonderful, I think, if you'll think about this. If you, if you don't mind just entertaining me for a moment, just take inventory of everybody that's here. Look around. Look behind you. Look to your right. Look to your left. Look in front of you. Look around. See who all's here. Look at their faces. All kinds of people here. Bald ones, ones with hair, dark-haired ones, light-haired ones, medium-haired ones, loud-mouthed ones, quiet ones. They're all here. Think about it that we're the ones that God has called that would love with a genuine love authentically. We're called on to love people more than they even love themselves sometimes. We're called on to love people that are hard to love. That's us. That's our calling. That's who we are. That's what God has desired of us. He wants us to, to reject injustice, to hate injustice, to hate all evil. He says to, that he wants us to abhor evil. I mean, we loathe the things that are evil, and if we are loving, that is going to be evident that we just absolutely will not tolerate evil. We're against it. Yet, even the people that do evil, we love them, but we just can't stand what they do. Now, we don't allow their evil, their sin, their, their decisions to impact our love for them, but we, we make no bones about it. Love is not hypocritical. Love doesn't straddle the fence. Love is, is out there and says, man, love you, don't love this. Love you, don't love that. This is harmful for you. And the reason why I don't love this, the reason why I'm not in favor of this in your life is because of love for you. That's what it says. Let love be genuine and pour what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. It says that we are, we're the ones that are going to love each other with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection. I like that. I like that. Amen, brother. Hallelujah. Brotherly affection. We are going to care for each other like we're brothers and sisters. We are to care for each other like that. I mean, we're, we're to start doing that right now. If, if there are people in the body of Christ that you don't care for, that's got to stop right now. That's not who we are. That's not what we're called to do. And we are to compete with one another in showing honor, in showing honor. We're to help each other. We're to, we're to show honor. We're to treat other people as is more important than ourselves. We're not haughty about it, as we're going to discover today, but we treat other people with honor, and we outdo one another in, in honor. We're not lazy. We're not lazy people. We're not apathetic. We're not idle in our faith, in our love. 
We're not slothful in zeal. We have great zeal, and it's active. It's awake. We have tremendous enthusiasm. We are fervent in spirit. We're boiling over with the Holy Spirit. We're, we're evangelical. evangelical. We're uh, fervent. We're uh, radical in the term of that. We're just carried away with the Holy Spirit in us. It just is boiling over. That's who we are to be. If that's not who we are, then there needs to be repentance. We need to say to the Father, we're sorry. We're so sorry for being selfish if we're not boiling over. So go ahead and sit up straight, wake up, and boil over. Get all excited. Get enthused about the things of the Lord. That's what it says we are to be as we serve the Lord. We're to be people who don't quit. We're to be people that hang in there. We're to be people that don't get sour on things. And no matter what is going on, no matter what has happened to us, the Lord's will is always primitive in us, and we rejoice in hope. We're patient in tribulation, and we're constant in prayer. I don't know what it is about these people that go to the crossing, but I know some of those people, and they've gone through some difficult things, and they keep on pressing on. That is what we are to be known for. They don't quit. They don't give up. They have illnesses. They have sicknesses. They lose jobs. They have problems with people. They just have issues. This goes on. That goes on. But they love each other. They're very complex people. They're diverse people inside the building. Yet the love comes out because the selfishness is, is, is rejected. That's to be the people of the Lord. That's what the Bible says we're to be. We're rejoicing in hope, we're patient in tribulation, and we're constant in prayer. We help people. We contribute to the needs of the saints, and we seek to show hospitality. We're hospitable. We're hospitable. We open up our, our hearts. We open up our homes. We open up our lives to people, to people. We're not to be the church where people come and visit for the first time and leave and say they're unfriendly. We are to be the church, according to this word of God right here, Romans 12, verse 13, that people come for the first time and leave and says, those are the craziest people I've ever seen. They wouldn't leave me alone. Yes, indeed, unapologetically. Why? Because we show hospitality. We shake hands, we hug necks. Even those like me who don't care for hugs, we hug. We love on each other. That's what God's word says. And so now we come to our scripture for today, 14, 15, and 16, increasing the dosage. We're increasing the dosage. We're shifting from third gear to fourth gear. We got about eight gears here. So we're shifting gears. Verse 14. Good luck with this one. Uh, uh, this has been a kind of a joke for me for a lot, many years. I think about Romans 12. Every now and then, I have people say to me, why don't you just hellfire and damnation, Lee? Let it, let it fly. Hellfire and damnation. I'm all for hellfire and damnation. The scripture says, today, this is hellfire and damnation. This is brimstone. 
this is difficult. This is hard. This, this makes you just <clears throat> clear your throat a little bit. The word of God to us today says, bless those who persecute you. There you go. How about a little dose of that? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Whoa. That is a very challenging word. That's a difficult word from the Lord. We are to love people that persecute us. And if we are loving, if our love is genuine, and that's what he starts out with here, then we are not going to be hypocritical about treating people who persecute us different from those who love us. We are going to love them both. The word blessed means to speak well of. I'm guilty of not doing that. I have committed this sin. The word, the word eulogy from the Greek word, what, and, and eulogy is typically the, the word that defines the message in a funeral service. In the funeral service, there is a real strong uh, influence to speak well of the person who's died, right? Sometimes you got to stretch the truth a little bit to do that. Sometimes you got to lie right out to do that. It's a hard deal. Sometimes you don't even talk about them and you go about your business. However, it's a real struggle when everybody says, please say something good about Uncle Henry. There's nothing good to say about Uncle Henry, but it's a eulogy, so you, you attempt. Uncle Henry never caught a, kicked a dog as far as I know. <laughs> as far as I know, he never kicked a dog. Someone says, I saw him kick a dog one day. All right, that's over with. Sorry about that. But it's a difficult thing to do to bless those, to speak well of those people that have persecuted you. There's a story that happened in January 1999 of Graham Staines. He was a missionary from Australia serving in India. And the Hindu people called him a zealous evangelical. He was very zealous about faith. He was very zealous about Jesus. And in a village, and that evening, he and his two boys, Philip, age nine, and Timothy, age seven, slept in their station wagon in the village. And some Hindu activists, led by Dara Singh, they torched his vehicle and burned Graham and his two boys alive in the car, and they passed away. Darius Singh was found guilty, and he was sent to prison for life. And the rest of the gang that participated with Darius Singh, they were acquitted of their participation in the murder of these three believers. A few years later, Gladys Staines, the wife, the mother of the two boys, was in India and was doing a press release or a press conference about the trial and what had happened. And here are her words. In forgiveness, there is no bitterness. And when there is no bitterness, there is hope. This consolation comes from Jesus Christ. And she went on to say, 
that she had no hard feelings towards the people that torched that station wagon that night and killed her husband and her two boys. Jesus is stronger than that. Consolation comes from Jesus Christ. That's love. That's what love does. You need to right now think about, allow the Holy Spirit to do it for you. Think about all the people that have hurt you, that have attempted to harm you or have harmed you, that have slandered you, that have lied about you, that have gossiped about you, that have mistreated you. And they are to be forgiven. Well, that's hard. Not only are they to be forgiven, but if love is genuine in us, we are going to speak well of them. We are going to speak well of them. The burden of resentment will be lifted. The burden of bitterness will be lifted. That ought to change the room. That ought to change everyone inside. That ought to change the direction of your life. Loving authentically means blessing those who persecute you. Love blesses those who persecute us, and it speaks well of those. Verse 15. We say this when people join our church. We've been saying this for years. I've been leading congregations to say this for over 30 years. It just happened one day. Didn't hear it about anywhere. It just made sense to me. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. It's not sympathizing with others. It's empathizing with others. When you rejoice with those who rejoice and you weep with those who weep, sympathy is feeling compassion, sorrow for the hardships that other people have. Empathy is putting yourself in those shoes, in their shoes. It's very different. That's to be the body of Christ. That's to be the church. We are to be empathizers more than sympathizers. Sympathy goes like this. I'm sorry for your loss. It's difficult, I'm sure. I know how you feel. In reality, you're not feeling what they feel. You're only offering sympathy. Empathy is when you know how they feel. You put yourself in their shoes. Empathy. Empathy is the ability to sense other people's emotions. So in loving other people, we hurt with them. In loving other people, we're able to truly rejoice with them. It's the ability to imagine what someone else might be thinking, might be going through. Empathy is a powerful thing. Research has told us that people who are empathetic they tend to be more generous. They're more genuinely concerned with other people's welfare. They have happier relationships and greater personal well-being. The research says that empathizers, they have great leadership skills, and they're able to communicate effectively because they're able to put themselves in other people's shoes. And you know as well as I do that one of the struggles we have with communication is we are not able to put ourselves in their shoes. In our shoes, we expect them 
to be in our shoes and understand what we're communicating to them, but the, the commandment for us here is that we put ourselves in their shoes and we empathize with them. Are you empathetic? Are you growing in empathy? Do you feel sad when the people around you are sad? Or do you just feel uncomfortable and can't wait to get out of the room? Empathy. Before criticizing somebody, do you try to imagine how you would feel if you were in their place? Or do you just criticize them? Is it difficult for you to understand what makes your friends happy? Do you have a clue of what really makes your loved ones happy? Does it upset you to see someone being treated disrespectfully? Does it upset you? When someone else feels excited, do you get excited too? Or do you get jealous? Does envy jump up when someone succeeds? Or are you excited genuinely for them? Do you have tender, concerned feelings for people less fortunate than you? Do you have tender, concerned feelings for people more fortunate than you? You see, many times we say, that person that empathize with others, why? Because they don't feel a great deal of hurt for someone less fortunate. Well, the other side is true. A lot of people don't have empathy because they come into a room with someone that has more than they have, more responsibility, more powerful job, a bigger house, a nicer truck, all those kind of things, and, and, and they don't identify with them because jealousy takes over. That's not love. That's not love. And so for some of us, perhaps it's easier to empathize with those who have less than it is to empathize with those who have more, or it may be the other way around. Do you find it difficult to see things from the other person's point of view? Are you in tune with other people's moods or just numb to it? If you know you're right about something, you don't waste much time listening to the other person's argument. That's not empathy. You know they're wrong immediately. And so you ain't going to play any games with the foolishness. And you're going to nail them and nail them and nail them. Not empathy. That's not empathy. Empathy puts ourselves in their shoes and hears them out and says, well, let me just kind of share with you why this is the way it is. It's a difference. You, do you try to look at everybody, everybody's side of a disagreement before you make a decision? <clears throat> Boy, <clears throat> empathy is needed a lot of times, isn't it? Empathy listens to people's sides of the story puts themselves in other person's shoes and tries to comprehend why that person's coming from that perspective. When you are upset at someone, do you usually try to put yourself in their shoes for a while or do you cut them off? Do you just say, no more of them? I'm not going to deal with them anymore. They, 
I'm, I'm not going to tolerate that. Love doesn't do that. Love hangs on. Love tolerates. Love puts up with. Love struggles. Love goes through that trough of junk and takes us from being superficial in relationships to being close, intimate in relationships where we really know each other. And the way we do that is we learn to empathize with people. Now, if there are people in your life that you'd have no concern for, that's not love. And that's not what we're called to be. That's not what we're called to do. So we are to rejoice with them that rejoice. And we are to weep with those that weep. Perhaps it's harder to rejoice with those that rejoice than to weep with those that weep. The believer is to feel and act differently than the world does at this point. And this is what the world does. When someone succeeds at something, the world knocks them down. We see that in all aspects of life. The one that's on the top of the mountain, everybody else is going to knock them off that mountain. Right? It's in our nature. It's in the world's nature. It's in the world's way of doing. Whoever's the president is, they're going to be attacked. Whoever the top dog is on the pitching mound, they're going to be attacked. Whoever's got the best ball club, they're going to be attacked. Whoever's making the most sales in the company, they're going to be slandered. They're going to be gossiped about. They're going to be attacked. That's just the way the world works. In Christ, we are different. We rejoice with people that rejoice. Let me tell you, one of the greatest areas of jealousy and envy is among pastors. Man, let me tell you, it's strong. Go to a pa pastor's meeting, a preacher's meeting, and one of the very first things that people talk about is, how big is your church? How big is your church? How many people come? What's your budget? What kind of car do you drive? You know, I don't tell them about my bike. I tell them about my 2000 Ford 150, $3,000 model. <laughs> it's in every walk of life. And as we grow in love and as we learn to love the way the Lord does, as, the, as we increase the dosage, our love is authentic. We are able to rejoice with people who are rejoicing. When people succeed, we rejoice with them. We are glad they got the promotion. We're glad they got the bonus. We're glad they got the new house. We're glad they had the wonderful vacation. We're glad that our brother and sister are enjoying a good world, a good life, a good experience, a good happening, whatever it might be. That's love. Love doesn't... Love is not envious. Love is not jealous of other people. Y'all know that's hard to do. It takes, it takes the Holy Spirit being at work. It takes our surrender to the, to, the, to the Lord and his word. We obey the word beyond how we feel. And we obey his word until our how we feel lines up with obedience. And we weep with those who weep. Now, there's a lot of people that just can't do that. They say they can't do that. They don't try to do that because it hurts too much. It's too difficult. 
I don't want to hear any more sorrow stories. I don't want to hear any more grief. I don't want to hear any more bad things. I, I sometimes get that way because probably because of my role in the body of Christ, I probably get more notices of problems than anybody else does. I hear about the surgery. I hear about the death. I hear about this. I hear about that. Brother Lee, have you heard about this? You know, and, and I, I've sat sometimes in, in the evening or somewhere and gotten two or three phone calls in a quick time period. I'm going, man, is everything falling apart? I mean, you know, what's going on here? How come everybody's lives are so difficult and painful? And, 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 and it does begin to build up if we're not careful. But here's what real love does. It hurts with people that hurt. It weeps with people that weep. It grieves with people that grieve. The world hides it. The world puts a wall up. The world denies it. The world just puts themselves, I mean, I hate going to a funeral, the world says, because I, I, I start to feel what they feel, and I don't want to feel what they do, so I sit in that funeral, and I think about everything else but the reality of what's going on in that church. The hurt that's going on, the pain that's going on, the sobbing that's taking place. And, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to work in us and says, feel what they feel so you can bless them, so you can strengthen them. And, and we're suppressing, we're denying, we're putting up a wall. And the Holy Spirit's doing just the opposite. And, and you know as well as I do that during those times of great loss, hardship, pain, trial, tribulation in people's lives, we who are trying not to identify with them, not to empathize with them, we have a great deal of stress in our lives at that moment. Love empathizes with others. It empathizes with others. And then verse 16. Love seeks to live in harmony with others. 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Harmony. It says, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Harmony is blending in. Harmony is unity. Harmony is a pure sound. Harmony is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when the shortstop and the second baseman are in harmony to the double play. And it's beautiful. I love getting up in the morning and watching quick pitch, and, and I love double plays. I just think double plays is the most beautiful thing in the world. How they play it, how they manage it, how they snap it, how they do this, and turn around. And, 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 and the guy at Seattle, Cano, is the best He's amazing. He looks like he's just out there, just, you know, got some bubble gum in his mouth, and he just kind of walks over to second base. He catches the ball, and he just throws it like that, and he's like, he's on a Sunday stroll. He's, he's the most gifted second baseman I think I've ever seen. He's unbelievable. And when he hits, too, he just kind of puts his bat on his shoulder. He just kind of takes a deep breath, and about, about when the ball's about three foot from him, he kind of raises his bat up, and Tattoos it. Harmony. All kinds of harmony in the world that you've seen. Harmony is being the same mind with others. Harmony is not being haughty. Haughty, not haughty, like there goes a haughty, but haughty. <laughs> Someone who is haughty is arrogant and full of pride. Maybe the haughty is haughty. 
And I guess when you really think about it, the hottie is often hottie. When you're haughty, you have a big attitude and act like you're better than other people. A haughty person acts superior and looks down on others. Haughty people, according to the dictionary, are disdainful, overbearing, prideful, swaggering, and obnoxious. Get your swag on, boy. That's, what, that's obnoxious. That's haughty. Next time you say, you got your swag on, say, that's obnoxious, sir. That's not who we are. That's haughtiness, and I'm blending in with harmony. Harmony is associating with everyone. Harmony is not thinking that you're better than others. My favorite singing group is the Eagles. I love the Eagles. Amen. Don Henley, Glenn Fry, and Timothy DeSmith, they can really sing. I love Timothy DeSmith. I love Randy Miser too, but he stopped, you know, years ago. And so Timothy, he sings those high parts. When, when I was driving home and I heard that Glenn Fry died, you can ask Susan, I went home, I was crushed. He was only 60-something years old. I mean, I, I, from the time I was, I don't know, 10 years old, I've been with the Eagles, man. I've listened to the Eagles. I mean, I was Hotel California by George. I love it. And when he died, I said, man, I can't believe, it. I can't even know he was sick. What's going on here? And I, and I love Don Henley. I, I love his work after the Eagles. I love the songs he's done. I just love these guys. I mean, I've stood on the corner in Winslow, Arizona, by gosh. And I just soaked it up. And I went, you know, if I wasn't a Christian, I might worship this corner. I was standing on a corner in Winslow, Arizona. Such a fine sight to see. It's a girl, my Lord, in a flatbed Ford coming down to take a look at me. There you go. But I don't think there's anyone that harmonizes better than the Eagles. Now, yeah, that may be up for debate for you. I mean, George and Tammy, I guess they had a little twang going there, and I love that stuff. But the Eagles' harmony. Now, I understand Timothy, Don, and Glenn harmonizing together. But Joe Walsh, he can't sing. He can rock, he can squeeze it out, but I don't know, but I mean, when he sings by himself, you know, it's, he, there's a struggle. I like listening to him, but not like those other guys, and I wouldn't call him a great, a great singer. However, those four guys are better together than they are by themselves. And when they sing together, Joe Walsh blends in. And you can't really hear one guy's voice than another. They just come together and have a harmony. That's the way people of the Lord are to be. Let's listen to this song and sing along if you please. There are stars in the southern sky. Southward as you go. See if you can harmonize with it. There is moonlight and moss in the trees. Down the seven bridges roll. 
That's harmony. Now, you couldn't hear one voice over the other. Now, you might with someone around you, you're not with me because I can't harmonize. I can't sing a lick. But in the bathtub, I sound pretty good with them. Matter of fact, I've been in the bathtub a couple of times. They say, Lee, come on up and sing with us. I said, I sure will, baby. <laughs> and I play my guitar in that shower and get after it. Eat my peaches in there. But think about, think about the body of Christ living in harmony with one another. What it would sound like in this world, what it would look like in this world. Lord, I pray you'll speak to our heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.